This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Well, today we begin our new series, and we're going to talk all about unity, all about the value of coming together as one, as, as a church. We're going to spend a few weeks talking through some different passages that all point us to the value of who we are as a body of Christ together, that calling in our lives, the benefit that, that there is in our relationships together, and the benefit that there is in our relationship with the Lord as well. If you look up unity in the dictionary, you're going to find a huge list of possible definitions. And what we want to key in on is this, this defining aspect of unity being separate pieces coming together to make a whole. And that each one of those separate things becomes part of one. There's a oneness there because of what they share together as a church. We come together, different people from different places, separate, individual, and we move from isolation into community. And we come together under the banner of Christ, sharing the common ground that we have in Him. And we grow together. We move into deeper relationships with one another, and we see what God does in us as we connect more deeply with others, how we move from an isolated, solitary experience of personal devotion time, connected to God individually, growing in our understanding of his word, praying and, and, and finding out more about him. And as we come together to worship, as we uh, sit together in, in a church and we share together in that experience of lifting our voices in praise, of hearing scripture together, of, of having times of fellowship and growth together and joy together, we, we discover the common ground that we have. There's a oneness that comes from enjoying time together as we grow and open our hearts even more. We find a depth there as we talk about life, as we ask for advice and we seek input from others. We tell, tell the people that we've connected with, that we've shared common ground with, more about who we are and the, our process. And we, we seek affirmation. Do you think I'm doing the right thing? Would you tell me what you would do in my situation? And we, we find support and advice in those deeper relationships as we grow. We uh, find connect groups to, to be a part of, to study together, to live life together, uh, to, to support one another when needs come up, to encourage one another and pray for one another. And we see this, this support and strength that comes from being together as believers. We find ways to serve together on ministry teams, and we, we grow from that experience, that shared experience of, of providing for others, not just seeking things for ourselves, but, but giving uh, and, and caring and serving. And we grow significantly together through that process. We dive deeper into study in our ABF classes. We grow in relationship with other people. And we find a process of discipleship and mentoring in and through those relationships as we learn from those who have more experience and more wisdom from us. And we grow. And God uses those moments to deepen us and to expand us and to open up our lives more and more as we discover the unity that comes from worshiping together as a church. And it's a beautiful and wonderful thing to come together in this way. And we learn about ourselves, we learn about our church as we move from isolation toward unity. And we know the difficulty of what isolation does. We know what it's like to, to worship with live stream and then to come together as believers and, and reestablish and reconnect with people. We see the value that comes in our lives from that process as we deepen relationships, as we grow. And I want to I point to the graphic that we have for our sermon series that you would 
look with me at the front of your bulletin or on the screen and see the, the, the fine print in the background. It says, a unified church works together to make a difference in their community. Now, this is kind of the, the theme for our series as we think about what it is to be uh, a church of unity, what, what kind of impact we make in the community around us. I didn't put these words together this way. I don't know who wrote them, but they're worth repeating. A unified church works together to make a difference in their community. We see the value of coming together and using our skills and talents, our abilities, our, our passions, our contributions, and weaving those together in harmony for the sake of the world around us, to reach out into the lives of people and help introduce them to Christ in, in a variety of ways. That begins with us being united. When the church is divided, when there's conflict, when there's discord, when there's animosity and arguments, we no longer are working together to make a difference in our community. Now, we are making an impression on the community, but it's not making a difference. It's not making an impact. The world around us is looking at all of that conflict and they're seeing it as evidence why religion has no place in their life. They're seeing it as a lack of proof that the love of, of God has really made any difference in us at all. And so in order for us to make a difference in the world around us, first we have to focus on our lives and our relationships together so that we are representing the love and grace of Jesus Christ properly and appropriately in the world around us. Now, as we study through our series over the next few weeks, we're going to be using different passages through the New Testament that all point us to different aspects of unity of how we grow together in our understanding, how we support one another, how we love one another, and how we, we move from that, that place of oneness, that common ground that we share as a platform to reach out into the community. And so we're going to be moving through a lot of those. Today, we're going to begin our study in the book of Philippians. We're going to use selected passages from the first two chapters uh, reading from Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. So I want to invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. And uh, we'll begin in verse 3, reading his words there. If you have a Bible and you want to open there, please do so. We'll read along together. If you want to use the screen behind me, the words will be there. If you would prefer to use the, uh, an app on your phone or tablet, you can use the YouVersion app. Search under events for Parkview Finley. You'll find scripture and sermon notes right there in the YouVersion Bible app. Let's begin reading together. Verse 3. Here's what Paul said. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with affection, with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, it's important for us to see the place that Paul was writing from and understand his words appropriately. Paul is, is imprisoned. He is writing from, under house arrest with a guard standing over him. He's isolated from people he loves, the people he cares about. He's not able to meet with the believers at different places, not able to travel and be with them and share in those experiences together. And from that place of isolation, Paul is recognizing the value of community. From that place of isolation, he's using his experience to pray for and encourage the church, to build them up, to draw them closer together, to, to remind them of the value of community, to remind them of the value of being united as one, as believers together in the kingdom of the Lord. We learn from the words of Paul, from his experience, that, that isolation reminds us how much we need others. 
when we're separate from other people, when we're not able to be together with people we care about, people we love, people we worship with, when we find those moments where we can't be with them, we recognize how much we need them. The absence sometimes is painfully obvious when they're not there or when we're not able to be together with the body of believers. That, that lack of community really affects us. Sometimes it can be overwhelming when we think about the loss that we're experiencing when we're not able to be together, when a relationship breaks down, when a loved one passes away, when there's an experience where we're not able to worship together. We, we, it takes time for us to overcome that sense of loss, to overcome that, that absence in our lives as we seek the Lord and allow him to teach us how to reconnect, how to, how to come back together with others. And we discover in our times of isolation that we need to focus on growth and encouragement, on reaching out into the lives of other people, and that it takes a little bit more effort than we're accustomed to to move from a place of isolation to a place of community. And what we discover is that unity begins with integrity. That in order for us to be united with others in a healthy way, first, we have to deal with self. First, we have to bring the pieces of our own lives that are fragmented back into alignment. And that's an important part of growing in the Lord. And when we find times where we're isolated and alone, quiet, not having people around to distract us, we are suddenly confronted with self and suddenly made aware of all those things that we have been pushing down, packing away, putting behind us that then have to be dealt with. Sometimes we're called to face the, the darkness that's within us that we would prefer not to acknowledge. But in those times of isolation, we come face to face with that darkness. Sometimes we're confronted with our flaws and we come face to face with those imperfections that we've been smoothing over, glossing over, trying to ignore and, and move on and focus on our strengths. But, but they're, they're still there and they have to be dealt with and surrendered to the Lord as he helps us overcome those things. Sometimes we have to be confronted with the places in our life where our words and our actions aren't in alignment. There's a very biblical word for that. It's called hypocrisy. Uh, when, when things aren't in alignment, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we move through our sermon. There are other times where we're brought face to face with the sin that's present in our lives that we've packed away, that we've put behind us and tried to conceal. And in those moments of aloneness, we find ourselves needing to surrender those things to the Lord so that he can help us overcome them, so that he can help us move beyond those things. So we can bring our lives into alignment with him so that we can bring a sense of integrity to who we are so that when we come back together with others, we're able to build true unity because we're dealing with our true selves. Now, I want to create kind of a, a physical illustration of what we're talking about. If you're nervous, don't worry, I'm not going to sing you a song. I've learned not to sing in public. I was at the grocery store yesterday, and I got shushed. I was buying bananas. I was scanning them and weighing them, and I started to sing bananas in pajamas while I was doing it. For some reason, buying bananas inspires me to sing. Sometimes it's bananas in pajamas. Sometimes it's uh, banana phone. Ring, ring, ring. Banana phone. And I was singing Bananas in Pajamas, and my wife looked at me like I was crazy. She's never heard the song before. She didn't know there was a song about Bananas in Pajamas. And so she did this. So I will not sing. I've learned my lesson. But I want to talk to you about what it is to be uh, in alignment personally. Like, 
a guitar with multiple strings that all have a different note. And those notes work together to create beautiful harmony as long as they're all in tune and attuned to each other. It, it sounds good. And when you play music, you play a chord, I'm not a guitar player, but you can, sell, you can tell when an instrument is in alignment when it sounds good. If for some reason a, a part of one of the strings would come out of alignment, let's say, there, it doesn't sound great. It stands out from the rest. It's actually harder to make a bad sound on the guitar than you would think. I've been trying it is, it's, to get it to stand out as as separate from the other strings, it's significant. Now, most of the guitar's in tune. We have five other strings that are all in tune. And you would say, well, yeah, it's good, right? But that one string creates discord where there should be harmony. And sometimes I think in life, we, we think about our, our, the unity of integrity within ourselves of bringing those pieces of our personality together and we, we try to excuse some things. And we try to think, well, it's okay for, for one part of my person, for, for, for this one vice, for this one aspect of me, not to be in alignment. I can, I can get by with that, right? But what we don't know is that that is standing out significantly in our lives. People around us see it and they go, oh, uh, that doesn't look good. That doesn't sound good. I think, I think maybe you should address this thing and bring that back into alignment. I didn't do it, but that's what we should do. Now, we think about what music is. We have a wonderful worship band. I love being led to worship with our band, but, but think about all of the different, different people contributing to, to worship when, when we gather together and sing, different voices, uh, different instruments, all of them working together, using their different talents to bring about this wonderful, beautiful thing that we do together. There are so many different pieces that come together. Not one of them is the same. We're not all playing the same note at the same time. Bop, bop, bop. That, that's technically still music. It's not beautiful. It's not wonderful. It's just there. When our worship team comes together, when any band you love to listen to comes together, you, you, you can recognize the, the unity that comes from blending all those things together in harmony. And, and it's fascinating to see. Now, if, if the guitarist had one string that was out and they tuned with the other guitars with, the, with a string that was in tune and then, and then tuned with the bass and maybe you know, something else with a, 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 a string that's out of tune and, and then brought those together and began to play music, then there would be discord on stage. There'd be tension between the different instruments and everything would sound terrible. And, and we think about how our lives reflect that when there's pieces of who we are that are, out of alignment, when there's a lack of integrity. And we, we try to connect with people and we connect with some people on the common ground that we have here and connect with other people on the common ground we have there. And then we come together and there's, there's this huge rift that we didn't realize was there until we see it made plain in the, in, the, in the group that we have together. This lack of integrity makes things significantly difficult for us to build true unity around. What does it look like when, when we lack integrity? Well, it, it comes when there, there is something that is out of alignment. Maybe that's uh, a, a misalignment between our words and our actions. Maybe you love to serve and you're here and you're, you're caring for people and you're doing good things. But, but while you're serving, you're, you're gossiping. You're learning information about people and you're sharing that behind other people's backs and you're talking about the people that you're serving. And your, your words 
are in discord with your actions. They're misaligned. You're creating conflict and tension all around you. Maybe, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you love to talk about Scripture. You love to talk about morality. You love to talk about, about what's right and true and how Scripture enables us to live godly lives. But there's a part of your life that isn't godly. There's a part of your life that is pursuing some temptation. It has this aspect that you're chasing after and, and your, your actions don't reflect your words. Maybe, maybe you make promises that you don't keep and you've said, I'll be here and you, you don't come. You say, I'll do this and you, you never do. When your words and your actions aren't in alignment, there's no integrity there. And we need to be able to bring those back into alignment to connect with people and build the kind of unity that God is calling us to build as a church, to grow together, to be a reflection of his love and grace in the world around us. Paul continued to write uh, to, the, to the believers in Philippi to talk to them about this, the significance of all this. And we pick back up in verse 18 as he's talking about the, the importance of the gospel and how he rejoices in it being shared for, for whatever reason. He says this, yes, I'll continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yeah, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the face so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Now here's the difficulty Paul was experiencing personally. He's, he's imprisoned, he is isolated from those he loves and he's, he's contemplating the value of his own life and thinking, if I would go on and be with Christ for eternity in heaven, that'd be great. That's better by far than what I'm experiencing right now, but I still feel this responsibility. I still recognize how much we would grow together if I continued on encouraging you and helping you grow in your faith and help the churches, churches that you're a part of continue to make an impact in the world around you. And he felt this responsibility to work in those relationships, to encourage the believers. And so he said, it's better for me to go on. And the, Paul's words remind us the value of community, that community provides for us a reminder of the purpose that God has placed within us. As a body of believers together, that we, we are called to a purpose. One, of being united in our faith under the banner of Christ Jesus to share this common ground. And, and two, to, to make a difference with that unity so that we would develop our relationships deep in the lives of faith of the believers here. And third, that we would reach out into the community and make a difference in the community together, proclaiming the truth of the gospel message of Jesus Christ in the world around us, changing lives. And it requires of us that we engage in meaningful ways, that we would invest ourselves, our time and our energy and our attention in, in growing together in our faith and expressing that in the world around us. And recognize that faith isn't a solely personal experience. Yes, there's value in our personal devotional time, but if we step away from community, if we step away from the body of believers, that faith that we have will, will stop growing and become twisted and distorted. It's like, it's like love. It's, it's meant to be shared. When we stop expressing love in the world around us, when we hold love in and we, we, because of hurt or pain, refuse to connect with others in love, that love that we have because we're not sharing it becomes stunted and twisted and distorted. Faith is meant to be shared in the world around us. Faith is meant to be expressed and 
communicated to those who need to hear it as it grows together, as we come together in love. And we think about what it means for us to invest together and share our experiences together as we grow in our understanding of our relationship with God and encourage one another to grow in Him. We make a discovery through that process of community, a discovery that there's a greater purpose for our lives, that we're not just working to meet our own needs. We're not just looking to put food on the table and provide a roof over our heads, that there's a bigger purpose for us in life, that we don't have to be stuck in this meaningless, repetitive rut where we get up in the morning and we work hard during the day and we come home exhausted and eat food and clean up and do some chores, watch some TV and fall asleep and get up the next morning and hit repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse. We get stuck in this, in this repetition and God is calling us to recognize his purpose for us in our lives, that all the things we're doing on a daily basis, all of, all of this mundane repetition can be used for his glory and for his kingdom when we connect with the people that we work with and, and point them to the Lord, when we bump into people in the community and we open their eyes to the, the truth about Jesus Christ who wants to be their Lord and Savior, and we use the details of our lives for his glory, it elevates us above that repetition. It helps us understand the purpose that he has instilled in us. And we find that our lives can be meaningful and distinct when we surrender them to his kingdom and for his glory. And we see in that that there's value that we didn't know before. Value in the eyes of our creator as we serve him. And value in the eyes of the people that we're introducing to Jesus. As we become for them the lifeline, pointing them to their salvation, we become an integral part of their connection to the Lord. Paul's words continue in verse 27. He said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being troubled or frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Now, Paul is continuing to encourage the, the believers, continuing to help the, remind them of the responsibility they have to one another, to continue serving, to continue growing, no matter, no matter what it is that they might face. And we find that there's strength and support as we serve the Lord together. That when we come together, as a body of believers, as we serve the Lord together, we have strength and support together. And Paul starts to talk to the church about how this happens. He says, I want you to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, that you would stand firm in one spirit, that you would find unity together as pieces separate come together as a whole, focused on one spirit, striving together with, with one purpose, committed to the will and the way of the Lord, that we would together grow in confidence because of the support that we have, because of the strength that we have standing together, holding each other up, that we can face any kind of hardship or opposition. We don't have to be afraid of that opposition. And those are powerful words for us today as we consider all the opposition that's present in the world around us, opposition that, that criticizes our faith because it sounds superstitious or old-fashioned, opposition that criticizes the love that we have through Christ Jesus our Lord because it fits within the parameters of morality, criticism that comes from the truth of God's word as our standard for belief and faith and practice, that together we can hold one another up. We can stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ because we know there's strength and support there. Paul was reminding the believers, reminding us how we can stand together 
we get to chapter 2 in the book of Philippians, and we find the words of Paul continuing to teach us how we strive toward unity. He said this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Unity is an expression of humility. It is an exercise in humility. And as we grow together, we discover that we can't be focused on me. We can't be elevating ourselves, climbing our way to the top, pushing other people down as we lift ourselves up. But as we come together as one, focused on the will and the way of the Lord, unity becomes an exercise in humility that as we fully invest, we learn to set aside self. We learn to set aside our selfishness, our desires that we want to fulfill. And we come to this understanding that those things have to be set aside if we're going to follow the desire of the Lord, the purpose that he has for us. We learn to set aside our own ambition, the things that we're struggling and striving for, the goals that we have in life. Those become secondary to the the purpose God has for us. Together as one, united, working together to make a difference in our community, we see the value of setting aside the high opinion we have of our own intelligence, of our own ability, of our own charisma, of our own influence, And instead of reminding people of how great we are, we set that aside and we allow the Lord to change our perspective and help us see the value of being together as one. And that as we set aside our selfishness, we're learning to value others. We're learning to recognize how great the people around us are. And that means we have to change the the way we think and the way we talk and the way we act. That when we begin to start to say things like, instead of me above you, it's them above us. And you can go in front of me. We think about, instead of chasing after our own desires, valuing the interests of others and listening to their ideas. And, And instead of talking over people, closing our mouths and listening to what they have to say, valuing their opinions, valuing their perspectives, hearing from their hearts And demonstrating to them how much we want to hear what they have to say, how much we value their voice by stopping to listen and genuinely hear them. We consider their perspectives and seek their advice and learn to grow through the process of sharing with one another instead of continually pointing to our desires, our will, and our way. As we learn to exercise that humility, we we grow comfortable shifting the spotlight off of us and onto them of allowing other people to be recognized for their contributions and for their work and for their excellence and recognizing that when we come together in in unity, we're not striving for conformity. We're not looking for all of us to, to dress the same way and drink the same drinks and have the same haircut and say the same things, but we're pulling skills and abilities and talents and perspectives and weaving our lives together in harmony to present to the Lord something beautiful that we can't accomplish on our own. And in the process, recognizing that I'm not the one who gets the glory. I can, I can recognize the work and talent of other people. And I can, we can together point all of that to the glory of God. Because it's not about who accomplishes what, but it's about working together for the sake of the gospel and for the kingdom and making a difference in the world around us. 
It means that we begin opening up our lives to the people around us and allowing God to work through those relationships and we learn to become vulnerable and share with people. Even after we've been hurt and we're closed off and unwilling, we see God opening up the doors of our lives and teaching us how to be vulnerable, teaching us how we can depend on others, even when the, we've been proven time and time again that people are untrustworthy, that they're going to let us down. The Lord, when we submit to him and surrender to him, shows us that we can open our lives up and trust, that we can care about people, that we can be vulnerable, depend on them. And that process, while difficult and painful, is so healthy as we work toward unity, as we work toward this, this whole that is the body of Christ, separate pieces coming together and genuinely working and living together in love. We come to the, the next passage in Philippians chapter 2, and, and Paul turns the corner and points us to the example we have in, in Jesus Christ. Here's what he says. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the example we have in Jesus Christ. He loved us enough to make a sacrifice, to live in humility, to wrap himself up in human flesh, and to lay down his life, to bring about our forgiveness. He would allow his blood to be shed, to draw us back into relationship with God. That's the example we have in Christ, that bringing us together as one was so important to him that he gave everything for you and for me. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. Thank you for the example we have in Jesus. We thank you that he loves us so much, that he demonstrates to us how we can begin this process of opening up our lives to one another and growing in humility and growing in unity. Lord, I pray that you would help us to surrender. It's something that's so hard for us to do, God, that you would help us to see your purpose for our lives, that we could set aside our will and our way, that we would strive for you instead of for us, God. We pray that you would lead us and guide us, that you would bind us together in love as we contribute toward the whole of the body of Christ that you've made us together here at Parkview. We thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.